the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Do you remember Michael Wolff? He's the journalist, quote-unquote, who hung out in the lobby of the White House until he gathered enough dirt to write Fire and Fury. Well, he's been on an uh, international book tour to promote that book. And things have not gone so well for him as they did here in the U.S. During an interview with an Australian TV news show, Wolf was asked about his recent comment to Bill Maher, saying that he was, he was absolutely sure that President Trump is currently having an affair. Wolf was doing the interview from London, and he suddenly uh, claimed he couldn't hear the Australian interview's question because something was wrong with his audio connection, which is weird. Sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't. Um, but uh, later, the Australian news show posted the footage from their London studio showing that there were no audio problems. So probably sometimes it doesn't was what really happened here. He just didn't want to answer the question. When Wolf was on Bill Maher's show, he encouraged the audience to read between the lines of a passage in Fire and Fury where he includes suggestive language about Trump and U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley. Okay. So when the British TV interviewer tried to clarify Wolf's innuendo about Trump, Haley, and other possible affairs, Wolf said, and I quote, I assume... I assume because this is Donald Trump and I think it's, you know, absolutely a fair assumption, end quote. Well, gosh, I'm pretty sure that that's that's one of the first things they should be teaching in journalism school to never assume anything because it makes an I don't need to say it, do I? Well, no, for Wolf, I do. It makes an ass out of you and me if I went along. Even when it involves Donald Trump, you shouldn't assume Wolf stands by his own journalism, though, saying there's no difference between the journalism in Fire and Fury and books by Bob Woodward. Really? So what is Michael Wolf hoping to accomplish here besides racking up book sales? Well, after a rough few days of being asked uncomfortable questions by European journalists who didn't have a dog in the fight, they just had real journalistic questions for him. Wolf has had enough of the heat. He canceled a BBC interview yesterday saying uh, the tour has just taken a toll. I'm sure it has probably less on your body and more on your reputation. Assumptions by the left and the right about each other. Those are taking a toll on us. We have pulled up an anchor of reason and we are selling uh, sailing straight into choppy waters of accusation, innuendos, and out-and-out out lies about both sides. Let me make a plea. Could we try it for a day to stop assuming the worst about each other? For instance, we just did a monologue on, on uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. I don't, ex- I, I don't think the worst of them. I don't. I think they're reasonable people that feel that they're doing the reasonably right thing and they have a right to do it. I just think they're wrong. But I don't want to see dicks go out of business. I think they will eventually because of this, but I think that's because they're out of step. But you know what? Maybe I'm out of step. Maybe I don't know what America is anymore. But here's the thing. 
We have to stop hating each other and assuming the worst. We have to work to fix reason firmly in her seat. And yes, question with boldness. But question honestly and have an open mind where to where if you hear a new fact, you're like, okay, I didn't know that. Let me look into it and let it al- risk enough that you might change your mind. If there's a good enough case of reason, question, but pursue the truth. And let's stop pursuing just a win for our team. We need a lot less fire and fury and a lot more honor and humility. It's Wednesday, February 28th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. You know, you just want to read a good book. I'm reading a, I'm reading a couple of books right now that make my head hurt. Um, I tweeted last night, don't, uh, don't just read Jordan Peterson's book, uh, The Twelve Rules to Live By. Listen to it. I've read it, and now I'm listening to the audio version uh, he, you can tell he's crying at parts of it, and it's and it's it says so much about him. I have so much more respect for him. I've read the book, listen to it, and it takes on a whole different, deeper meaning. Uh, but I'm reading that, and I'm I'm reading um, another one about the Enlightenment, and I just do you ever just want to just curl up with a good book and just feel good. There is a new book out by Mark Weinberg. Um, The name of the book is Movie Nights with the Reagans. Here's a guy who worked with the Reagans all the way through the uh, White House years and then beyond and would go to Camp David on the weekends and watch movies. Now they're all classic movies uh, and learned a lot about the Reagans and life and has put it in a new book, Movie Nights with the Reagans. Mark, welcome to the program. Good morning. Happy to be here. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good. So when you were when you were going to Camp David, I mean, first of all, let's just let's just talk. What was it like to be? I mean, I don't know if you would classify yourself as a friend because you're probably too humble. uh, But what was it like to be in the friend zone with the with with Ronald Reagan? It was an honor to work for the Reagans, and it was a special treat to go with them to Camp David on weekends and watch movies, and this book brings that picture of them to the reader. It's a picture that hadn't been seen before, and I was very excited to share it with everybody. So so tell me about, tell me about the most memorable, because you go through, and it's such a great way to read this book, you go through the movies that you saw with them. So every chapter is a, is a different movie. Nine to five. Oh God. Book two Raiders of the lost Ark on golden pond, chariots of fire, top gun, untouchables. Uh, so what did you learn in each of these? And what was your, what are your favorite memories? Well, 
the most important memory, I guess, is, is how important movies were to the Reagans. You know, I point out in this book that this, the movie business is where they came from, where Nancy Reagan and Ronald Reagan met, and their lives began together, and it formed the basis of everything in their adult life, essentially, and taught him some very valuable skills about how to lead the nation. And I think the book is a gentle reminder of the kindness of Ronald Reagan and his love for movies. I think there's a nostalgia now for him, even on the left, for people who didn't agree with him, because he had a way of appreciating what unified us. And in the 1980s, movies were one of those things. There were some amazingly important and impactful and entertaining films of the 80s, and how the Reagans reacted to them was something I was very privileged to see and very excited to share with people. So let's talk about the reaction some. For instance, you say that war games may have influenced Ronald Reagan on his nuclear policy. Tell me about that. I remember watching war games, and what I remember most about it is that usually after the movies, it Camp David in their lodge, Aspen Lodge, there would be a very robust discussion of the movie, what people thought and how the movie was made. And the president, Mrs. Reagan, would share stories, many of which are in this book, about behind the scenes of, of Hollywood and regale us. After War Games, it was oddly silent. It was what I would call a sobering movie because it introduced the possibility that by accident there could be a nuclear war. And as you know, Ronald Reagan was unalterably committed to keeping the world safe and free from that threat. And I think this really made him, made him think. Now, movies didn't form policy for him, but it certainly was one that made him think. And that, that silence in Aspen was very uncharacteristic. If you go through and read about the rest of the movies, as you know, you'll read that there's a lot of fun and interesting stories that they share and laughs and so forth. But this one was different. So there was one other place that you say in the book um, was oddly silent, and it was after this line uh, in Back to the Future. Listen. Then tell me, future boy, <laughs> who's president of the United States in 1985? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan? The actor? <laughs> then who's vice president? Jerry Lewis. I suppose Jane Wyman is a first lady. Whoa, wait, Doc. And Jack Benny is secretary of the treasury. Oh. Doc, you gotta listen to me. I got enough practical jokes for one evening. Okay, I think this is, this is such a funny scene. And you describe this as, you know, the laughter was there until I suppose the first lady is Jane Wyman. Wyman. You could hear the oxygen go out of the room because that was a name that just wasn't mentioned. And some of us exchanged worried glances. No one said anything. Uh, you know, Mrs. Reagan clearly heard it. Movie ended, and it was, it was a funny movie. The Reagans laughed through most of it, and we didn't quite know what to say. Uh, but someone broke the silence by saying something about Jack Benny because he was a friend of the Reagans, and just had a nice conversation. It never came up again. And I had an interview with Mrs. Reagan before she passed away. It was her last interview, actually, as far as I know, at her home in Los Angeles. And we talked about the movies that we watched at Camp David, and she was very excited about the fact that I was going to share this story because this is a side of them that had never been written about and was so special to them watching the movies. And I brought up what some of the favorite memories were, and I brought that back, uh, one back up, but did not mention the Wyman name. I also tell a story in this book 
without giving it away, about the only other time I heard Jane Wyman's name, and that was from Ronald Reagan's own mouth. Um, let me let me ask you about nine to five. You say nine to five angered the Reagans and actually was the reason or was one of the motivating reasons uh, for such an active uh, campaign with Nancy Reagan on just say no to drugs. Yes. You know, that was an almost favorite. And in fact, it was the first movie I saw with them in this surreal atmosphere at, at Camp David, and it was a, a very entertaining movie. Jane Fonda, notwithstanding, it was an entertaining movie. But what turned the Reagans off to it was the glamorization of marijuana. There was a scene where the three women smoked marijuana, and that turned them off. And in researching this book, I went back and read President Reagan's personal handwritten diaries, and he wrote in there that that scene made him angry, that it wasn't necessary, that it, perhaps they had been drinking, which was legal, marijuana was not, that might have been okay. And Mrs. Reagan was bothered by it, and in fact, in one of her speeches as part of the Just Say No campaign, even referred to it, that when you glamorize or glorify these bad habits, you're not doing kids any favor, and I think it, I think it made them mad at Hollywood. So, you know, I, as I'm reading your book, there's pictures in the middle of it, and there's a picture of you on the tarmac. <laughs> it is such a an amazing shot you're on the tarmac and marine one is behind you the helicopter and there is a wired desk telephone that had been taped down onto the tarmac brought out to you <laughs> and you're on this rotary dial phone uh, on the tarmac things were so radically different back then they were different back then. There was no internet. There was no cable TV. There were not cell phones. We used something called typewriters. And one of the things I hope this book does is take people down that memory lane of the 80s, which it I does. think was a wonderful time it does. in American history. But you're right. It was different times. Before before we ask, the Stu has a question that if you're a big <laughs> Stu fan, you know what the question is going to be. But um, uh, can you just describe you're at Camp David? This is a place that, you know, the last two presidents haven't really liked. Um, it's it's very quiet and old school. Explain what the room was like and how these movies were shown. The Reagans loved Camp David uh, because they could just be themselves. They were just the Reagans. There was no press. There was no anything around. It was as close to normal as they could get in their circumstances. And that's why she and he cherished it so much. That's why she was so happy to talk to me about it. And that's why I wanted to write about it, because it had not been revealed before. Their home at Camp David was a modest three-bedroom ranch-style home called Aspen Lodge. It was in the living room of that uh, home where we watched the movies while they sat on a couch. Wow. A screen came down from the ceiling, a projection room at the back of the dining area in that house, and a window through which the movies were shown reel-to-reel -reel, like in a theater. The old days. Wow. The they old loved days. Camp David because they could relax and be private. There's a story in there about some hijinks of the Secret Service. Yeah. They just like to exhale so, together. So we have, we have one minute Stu. Um, since I was about nine years old, Mark, uh, I was fully convinced that Rocky IV ended the Cold War. Uh, okay, they they actually did watch Rocky IV. What did what did they think of it? He liked the fact that the American won. <laughs> <laughs> One cool thing about it is taking 
these moments of history, like the Challenger explosion, yeah. and what were they doing around it? It really, it's really interesting from history and really pop culture history yeah. as well. Um, so also a good break, just it's, a good it's break, just a nice break. Yeah, yes. exactly. At one point, however, I do want to ask you about something from that right. interview. You you mentioned uh, that Mark might not want to call the Reagans friends, which is something that you do all the time. Like when you're pretty much friends with someone, but you don't want to be. I don't want to claim to be friends with people who are who, who are you know, like famous. Look, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, uh, Michael Bublé is a good example. Uh, are Michael Bublé and I, are we friends? No. If we're in a room together, we see each other. He's come up to me. I didn't even see him. And we were in a hotel lobby together. And he is like, hey, Glenn, Glenn. So we're and you'll hang out and you'll talk. Yeah, we'll but, talk and we'll have laughs, but we're not friends. You're not vacationing together three yeah. times and a year. Yeah, so I just right. I think it's always important to differentiate between friends and right. Well, you don't want to come off as a guy who's a name dropper, yeah. like oh yeah, he's a friend of mine. No, he's really not. Right, I understand. I yeah. understand why you use that and why you said that to Mark. However, then you just find what he was with Ronald Reagan as the friend zone. Which is not what that term means. Please tell me it doesn't mean like friends with benefits. It, well, I would say what it means is you are a friend with someone and you want to hook up with them or have more. Okay. And they are like, and you know, they're keeping you in a friend area. They don't, they're not allowing you to cross the line that you want to cross. Now, I don't know Mark that well, but I don't think, <laughs> don't that, think was that was his it. desire. No, and uh, that, <laughs> was not my, that was not my intent of defining their relationship. Right. You know? Yeah. I was sitting in the movie theater. And I was looking at Nancy going, I'd like a slice of that pie, but Ronnie's looking pretty good in this light, too. But I can only stay in the friend zone. <laughs> Biggest regret of my life right there. I should have made a move when I had a chance. <laughs> is it, the book, though, is interesting from the perspective of pop culture as well. There's been multiple documentaries, for example, and books written about Back to the Future yeah. and the history of how that movie was made. And I mean, tons has been written about that. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network.